and welcome to Upstage Downstage. With me, Richard Platt, seated in the upper circle. And me, Stephen Rees, uh, seated in a cheap seat. This is the Theatre Podcast, where we discuss productions we've seen, things we've liked and may not have liked, giving our complete unprofessional and non-biased opinions. So grab a brew, take a seat and let's raise that curtain. Today's episode, we'll be discussing Dreamgirls. We saw this production at Manchester Palace Theatre on the 17th of September 2022. Let your soul sing with the dazzling, multi-award-winning Dreamgirls. Direct from the West End with an extraordinary story and the unforgettable spine-tingling vocals that sent audiences wild. This spectacular musical production features the classic songs and I am telling you I'm not going. Listen, I am changing and one night only. So Richard, what's it all about? Meet the dreams. Effie, Laurel and Dina. Three talented young singers in the turbulent 1960s, a revolutionary time in American music history. Join the three friends as they embark upon a musical roller coaster ride through a world of fame, fortune and the ruthless realities of show business, testing their friendships to the very limit. But first, our post-show opinion. Thoroughly enjoyable. A show with glitz, glamour and guts. So with all that said, let's set, set the scene. Right, Richard, we went to see this on the matinee performance in Manchester just before Mrs... Um, I want to say Mrs Brown's boys. No, Mrs um, Doubtfire. Yeah. Because we managed to get these quickly. Yes. Because we thought, well, we might as well, well double while up. While we're in Manchester. While we're there. And I really wanted to come and see um, Dream Girls because I love the musical. Now... This is one of those where it's a film. What was the, was the film based on the stage play, or is this? From what I remember, the film was actually based on the original stage play because it used to be just in a... Broadway. But was it still a musical? The original yes. script. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was okay. Now the set. This was a typical blank stage, but with everything being uh, flown in from above, from the sides. sides. And things twisted. Yeah, it was definitely a blank stage production. It was... Yes. The thing is, I loved this set. They had these panels that came down, but it looked like it was the backstage of a theatre place. So you had yeah. lanterns in the middle of like squared boxes. If you ever see the um, pictures of uh, Dreamgirls, you'll probably see them all in their publicity still. So you, you'd understand the picture. But it was like... Um, Silhouetted staircases and uh, bars and railings and lighting rigs. Yeah, it's the. I mean, obviously, when we walked into the into the Palace Theatre, basically the curtains were shut as as we walked in. There's there's been yeah. a few recently that we've saw where they start with the curtains shut, very old school traditional theatre, where they're hiding it like a chocolate box, waiting for you to sit yeah. down, and then when the show starts, the curtains will open. So, but they did it in a way where the silhouette. Well, not the silhouette, but it was illuminated by just one set colour. But then it changed. And I yeah. think at the very beginning, it was like a purpley haze, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, almost like Cadbury's. Yes. Yeah, that, it's that Cadbury's purple, that, that bushes. It was lo- oh, yeah. lovely. Just while we were talking about the history of it, it started on Broadway in 1981 in Broadway and it toured across the US for quite a lot. It did an international tour in 1985 and the feature film was 2006. So it's actually... Probably, I'd probably say the, the, the musical, the film that everybody knows with Beyonce and... Jennifer Hudson. That's the one. Beyonce and Jennifer Hudson probably actually revived it because... Are you going to edit this out now so yeah, it yeah. looks like you knew exactly who it was? Maybe. And I, Right, so um, 
I lose out on a little bit of airtime now because it all gets edited out. Thank you get you a lot of other ones. <laughs> but oh, it's quite interesting on, though you're because like a walking Google, you are. In '97, it actually finished the original, the the sort of tour of the production, and it wasn't till 2006 that it actually became a feature film. So it's obviously had a revival because of actually doing film. a film with with well-known stars in it and mm. actually springboarded Jennifer Hudson's career at that point because she was wasn't very well known at that point so it actually he actually No, I think f- she'd just done the first Sex and the City film, didn't she? Or it was around that time. Yeah, it wasn't she'd not done a lot Seven. and but she'd been in, you know, she'd been on or the series. She'd been on series, um, yeah. you know, she'd yeah. been on talent shows before America's, the, got, America's talent. got talent and then Well, has she been on that one? I've it was once it, it was um, you googled it. Who is she? Yeah, so Jennifer Hudson was on American Idol season three, so that was really all she'd done before Dreamgirls came about, and I think that this brung her in sort of, you know, performing with Beyonce, it, it springboarded her, because in a way, Jennifer Hudson's character is the one that is almost the starring role it of is. the production. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, I know we're digressing from the actual what we saw, but I think it's important to talk about this because I felt this was a good representation of the film on stage, the actual translation. Yes, I'd agree. Actually, yeah, yeah, because I, I think we, you, you've you've got a lot of reference points when you look at a film and watch a film, and you think, I hope it's not going to put me off when I see the stage version, because you think, will it be the same or will it spoil it? Because you know the mute the film so well. Well, after seeing Shawshank Redemption and uh, the Best Marigold Hotel, I'd seen and watched the films of those, whereas this one I was pleasantly surprised. Now, the difference is this is a musical. Yes. It's all singing, all dancing. Yes. But everything was spot on. Now, before we get too far down this little corridor of uh, wherever it is we're going, let's talk about the directing of this one. Yeah. I do have something to say. Can you imagine that? You, something to say. What I particularly liked about the direction of this, because the actual storyline was about the, the three girls singing with everybody else yeah. and them going on um, stage and it's backstage story and yeah. stuff going off backstage. I loved how each time they'd have artists perform out to us as yeah. if they're on stage, but then the moment it went to backstage drama, yeah. the performer moved around to the back. It's like so they faced on a turntable. Yes, yeah, so they faced away from the audience. Yeah, a fake audience. at yeah. a corner. So we saw the back of them as if we ourselves were backstage behind the curtain viewing the drama on. going off yeah. yeah a bit like it noises off in the second act yes. yeah yeah definitely yeah. yeah that's what i i loved about the that um but it didn't feel clunky it just felt natural no, because as well it, it, it also underpinned that everything was going on at the same time yeah and it gave a background noise shall yeah. we say and and everybody you know people talk about you know there's an old age old saying of drama within a drama and what you're seeing is all the things, all the discussions that happen backstage yeah. that happen on any show or any performance. There's always a group of people talking about something while the lead performer's on stage or doing something. There's always something happening somewhere else. And yeah. I think that did really well in showing that because when you've worked in theatre and you've been involved on stage and things like that and there's people running about, mm. there's people getting ready for the next performance. Well, they is were, this, weren't they? The they, they, and they were was... putting these dresses on, yeah. and the wigs, and then, yeah. and then the, 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 the songwriter was... as well. Uh, oh, oh, can I, should I wear these wigs or do we need to have a particular style or whatever yeah, yeah, before yeah. we go on and yeah. nerves well, and stuff? And I think as well, when they when they did flip the, flip the sort of perspective round, 
the people that were performing to the fake audience, as it were, mm. still went off the same side that they should have gone off if yeah. they were facing forward. And it was yeah. very cleverly done. There was no missing moments where it was, oh, I'm at this side, I've got to go that side. There was none of that. Everybody knew their purpose and where they were going and what they were doing in it. And it and happened it, so quickly. Yeah, like, it, they, they wouldn't have flawless. had time to second guess. No, They just exactly. went off. Yeah, and, and also, I suppose what we need to also mention is these panels that we talked about with lights in, they were moving around as well. Yes. So they weren't they, they weren't static. So if you didn't mm. get in the right place at the right time, yeah, you'd get knocked over or caught with something, and it'd look it'd break the the performance of it all. And there know. was a moment where one of the uh, backing singers I I thought was gonna go headbutting into the side yeah. of there, but just narrowly missed it. Yeah. As um as he was definitely. Exiting. Anything else about the directing? I, I just think all the musical numbers I must say were. Spot oh, on. yeah. I mean, I felt like they made them true to the performance of each song, but they also gave the artist chance to put a little bit of themselves in it, I felt. Yeah. You know, when they're performing the songs, they weren't copying a Beyonce or a Jennifer mm. Hudson or whatever. They were they were being them mm. as that character on stage. And, and I think that was key to this because, in a way, it's got to feel raw. It's got to feel like they're in that moment. And I think they did a real good job of creating characterizations as a director they they made it made sure that the actual it translated onto stage yeah. you know and maybe there is a handbook to how to do it in this that, and the other but maybe you've still is. got to pull it off you've still got to make yeah. sure that everybody's doing what they should be doing and there's a lot mm. happening in this you know? and again yeah the transitions between one scene and, and another they had uh, like desks or tables and chairs on pl- not plinths but like uh, pieces of wood on wheels yeah. just wheeled yeah. in on one yeah. on each side and then yeah. taken back off. But again. even they were orchestrated, so they both came yeah. in at the same time. It felt as if they were like pushed on. From, they were pushed with on with stick. wood. They were. That's how they they used oh. it. It was very old old theatre technology technology with a rope on it to pull them back out. But hmm. that takes choreography from. The two people doing that, they've yeah. got to look at each other and they've got to make sure that it happens at the same time. Yeah. And and it makes it special when all those moments happen like yes. that. And I think that's that's key. Um, yeah, I think when you're saying about scene changes and things like that, because a lot of these scene changes are minute and minuscule, they only lasted probably a few minutes each scene. Yeah. Some of the things, there was everybody had to be on their game. You know, it, it's, it did make a difference. And you would have noticed if anybody was out of sync sync with it all because mm. it wouldn't have worked you know it's just to create the the feel of it really yes and they all worked so well together oh, the, yeah. the whole cast it was uh, just beautiful to watch and, and the the singers as well uh, the uh, the backing singers the ensemble the, the, the whole yeah, yeah all of those who played the other parts yeah. in terms of the other band yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the group, they were some Fantastic dancers as well. Yeah, and how they yeah, just, it shows how, how they versatile moved around they, the yeah, stage. Exactly, it, it was uh, beautiful to watch actually. And then to, to also note that this was a production where you you have to also almost so remind yourself everybody's singing live. Yeah, and, and you step back and go, actually, they're all moving that fast, and they're all uh, they must. I mean, I'd have been out of breath. Did and, they have and, an orchestra underneath? There was yeah, there was an orchestra because they uh, the the conductor was at the front. Can't remember seeing the conductor. Yeah, I saw it. I went down. To, I, it. Yeah. I, I, it. I saw the orchestra pit and I saw it being used. So yeah. But let's just talk about the songs and the structure of the musical itself yeah. here, because it's difficult when you've got like a lyrics in a book and stuff, because you can't get too bogged down by the writing if it's mostly a musical. 
And I think this might be a musical that's been honed and tightened up over the years, maybe up until the film point, where actually that was the sort of standard mm. that worked. And yeah. and because we obviously it's been going that long, so it's like you know, eighty one. It's been going on. It's it's you know, we're nearing forty years, which is well, it, it is. It's over forty years old now, and and to think about that, that there's some productions that are that old that don't always stand the test of time, and this feels like. Mm. almost timeless in a way well it is because even though it was um produced in what did you say 81 81 yeah 81 it's basically the 50s and 60s yeah it is yeah so already it's uh surpassed that time yeah exactly yeah. and and then it becomes like the grease or like the those those sort of musicals that you you just take for what they are and like hairspray mm. in a way hairspray's hairspray you know and it's just yeah and i think that's where this is this is at that level now so you can't always mess with the structure of the the writing because mm. it's all there now and yeah. i think you know but yeah like you say a lot of the songs i think i think they all work they all they're all very motown they're all very in the era of where they're meant to be yeah. the 50s 60s changeover with influences from loads of different sort of it was contemporary uh, yes. pop was one yeah Changed them and and when they did the ballads, they put a uh, pop like Donna Summer's spin on it. Yeah, definitely. Didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It had all the elements of what was happening in the fifties and sixties at the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What I'd also say uh, with this one is the fact that like when you were saying about referring it to Greece, there's standout songs in Greece. Well, there's standout songs in this as well. Yeah, and I think there's three where the the audience members they just went nuts. Yeah. Didn't they? They just went like they pretty yeah. much wetted themselves. Yeah, I mean it. the two in front of me were that drunk they probably didn't know what they were sitting watching. But that's that's just that was just no, those saw, two. I think they perked up. The no, they, they, they definitely perked up because they recognised it. Yeah. Yeah, and which ones were they? Let's see. And I'm telling you, I'm not going. That's. Um, I mean, Dreamgirls. It's, it's always a winner. I am changing. Yeah. And one night only. I think it's those three. It's also listen as well because that's that was. I think it was. I can't remember. I think it was rewritten for Beyonce when she actually performed it, as the um, that she actually had a had a hit with it. Yeah, maybe. I I don't particularly know, but all I know is like that the audience members went wild over those three particular songs. Yeah, and the Dreamgirls reprise at the end. They went. They they really. But yeah, you know, but that that was because it was the end. Yeah. To be fair, all the songs were just lovely. Yeah, they were all and great. They sang it really exceptionally well. Yeah, and like you said about the the different the different groups where they made the different sort of Motown groups, mm. the cliched groups of the times of the fifties, sixties, the emerging artists, like the 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 Sammy Davis Jr. character, and yeah. the, they had all those references for the Jackson Fives. You could you could see all these things coming out of this that were mm. very similar to what was happening in the day. Yeah. Uh, just to, is this um, actually based off the Supremes and Diana Ross? Yeah. It is. It's that. That's that's where they went with it because yeah, it's a similar. It they just they just created a a new characters and new things, mm. but it was very much based on how one emerging artist becomes her own artist, mm. and everybody else is mere players in that performance. And I think mm. that that's what this was doing. Moving on now. Do you know what we're here for? We're here, here for the drama. Let's talk about the acting now. I thought all the actors were just perfection on oh, stage. Oh, yeah, totally. They, they never misdelivered no. any lines or movements. No. And the characters were just always on point. They embodied all the characters. They didn't... Oh, they did. They just didn't hold back. They didn't... 
there was a freedom you could feel it there was and, a confidence uh, yeah, in the room you could, just, yeah you just we got these girls yeah you, know you can do this you know yeah. you know that the, I, I felt like you knew that the minute that old, that curtain opened they were off mm. we go there was you an know, energy let, there let's was a do spark it again there. you know it's, yeah. you know and that's that's key to this sort of production because you've got to hit it hard and hit it fast otherwise it wouldn't it wouldn't have the power. Now, on the matinee that we saw, I have a feeling we saw Charlene Hector as... Effie. Effie. I was looking at that thinking... Alternative? Alternate. Alternate. Yeah, alternate. <laughs> alternate. to do what I want, want to do. do. Yeah, so we saw Charlene Hector. It wasn't Nicole. Yeah, she was just brilliant. Yeah, she was. And and Her there's Effie White. I mean, we can't obviously compare them because we never saw the other one. No. But as an alternate, it feels well, it feels quite insulting in a way to say that she's the alternate where you could have just had like... Um, but then in a way, I sort of maybe... It, it's almost like... It's interesting that they've used alternate because they haven't used understudy. So they're, they're classing her as equal level. Yeah. Because for me, this is a big tour. It's actually touring but, up and down the but country. But then I'd have said also then Nicole Raquel Dennis needs to have alternate Effie on her side as well in the programme. Yeah, she needs true. to be billed as alternate true, Effie true. for it to not feel like you're the second version or second. Definitely. You, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean... Because Charlene gave a tremendous performance. As Effie White, she was just... The character has to go through so much because you start almost as adolescent, as in you're very young and you're very impressionable just starting out in a singing career and then going yeah. from that to then going through so many emotions. Well, the character, you know. d- it evolved because yeah. she didn't particularly want to be there. She knew she had a voice. She was confident in the voice, but she felt like she didn't necessarily need to make an effort. No. But then once she got into it and everything, she felt, well, actually, I'm the one with the voice. I'm the one that should be lead. Yeah, exactly. And then when that didn't happen for her and she was sort of replaced or moved about to the Definitely. back, yeah, yeah, yeah. then she saw the consequences of that things spiraled downwards in a way until she came back and found her strength and her power and well find her found her voice again in that exactly exactly because she didn't need to compete with them although she was in the band she didn't necessarily need to compete with all the other artists she just chose to keep her voice instead of changing it am i making sense you are i mean one thing i'd say is with Dreamgirls, you you almost forget it's a coming of age production. It's all those characters are growing up through this. Well, like you say, that was Greece. Yeah, it's the same age, yeah. principle, just not high school. It's it's on it's, a you it's know it's finding out who you are. Yeah, in and, a professional manner. But also, you're seeing all the other characters evolve in that way as well. So, if none of you commit to it, yeah, it's not going to have that power mm. that it needs to to build up to the songs that people know. Like towards the end, it's you know. I'm telling you I'm not going. It's not going to have any, any power yeah. if we've not got to that bit. Yeah. You know, if you've not built that, that feeling up until there, you're not gonna, it's not going to work, you know, and I think that, that's pinnacle to this. I also want to give a shout-out to Paige Peddy. I think that's your name. Yeah. And she, was, uh, she played Laurel Robinson, and she was basically cast as the, the goofy, funny one. Yeah, she was. The, um, I suppose, the third one. Yes. Although, because she was funny, she felt more like a... Is it like Frenchy? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's almost she, like she's Frenchy. She's very much yeah. like the, the funny very one. Sure, very sure, but very yeah. funny. But, uh, her, but, yeah. She had attitude, yeah. she has she had charisma, yeah. and, and every every line she didn't waste. She she no. gave some kind of 
attitude or, exactly. or put down or, or some kind of poised emphasis on a particular word that just made it like shine and stand out yeah. and, and funny. And the best thing about that or actors that are like that is when they have maybe like a small part or a bit yeah. part or... Less a, lines. A, yeah, uh, not not like a main part. No, no. But they make it so memorable mm. that... Just one reaction or one facial thing or just yeah, something they I do. I remember more scenes with her in it yeah. than I probably could... The one that ended up being like that Diana Ross, the one yeah, that exactly. was pushed into yeah. the starlight. Yeah. Do I mean, mean that starlight? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. That sounds a bit spotlight. Spotlight. That's the one I was going for. But I mean, starlight's starlight, just as good. It could have worked. Could have corrected yeah. myself. I could have just sounded like a new one I was talking yeah. about. Could have mm. been on an express, you know. Exactly. The other shout out I give to is Brandon Lee Sears for his energy. Oh yes, opening the production because yes. Wow, you know. Wow, he he just, can move. It was like whack off we go. Um, yes. you know, you talk about captivated. He just he just drew the attention straight away. He reminded me of a bit of um like uh, Eddie Murphy. In yeah, that, in that essence. Yeah, yeah. It's the Sammy just, Davis um, Junior thing. It's that that bubbly, jolly, happy. But I don't but, really know that person. But he he just when he was on stage mm. i i remember seeing like um eddie murphy's stand up or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was like he was so energetic yeah. so funny so yeah. here there and everywhere and when he'd managed to get on stage jimmy early he he was all that and everything but he was he like was a, on stage he was instead of the comedian he was a singer but yeah. he gave a great comedic performance when it needed it yeah. as well yeah definitely and uh, and you saw him age through it as well and you didn't oh, yeah. you know you didn't just see the it wasn't yeah. just that all the way through. You saw it get into a later in life where, you know, almost like an Elvis like downturn in his life where you saw the, the cracks mm. starting to show. Yeah. You know, and I think that they did that really, really well. But it happened to a lot of stars. It did, yeah. But, you know, yeah, um, they broke under pressure and it, I think it was, you know Let's face it, it's still now. You it know, happens, you, you yeah. Pushed exactly. out there and uh, you crumble. Costumes. Costumes and props. They were lovely, weren't they? The costumes. Oh, they were I thought amazing. they were incredibly um made i think they were incredibly made and incredibly made. what does that mean incredibly i don't know made? i don't know i'm talking rubbish i'm not rubbish, gonna say yeah. that of the time i just thought they're colourful. of the time of the moment they they evolved as well because they started very 50s with the pinafores and the and the, it, it and was very it, conservative 50s yeah, wasn't it it was. You know, it was sort of floral and yeah uh, very formal just, 50s uh, wasn't it below the knee yeah skirts but it, it soon showed that it we were moving into the 60s which was yeah. quite, quite clever because it actually it did show that yes the moment they became of age and everything got a bit more sexualized yes, it did, yeah. things you know skirts got a little bit higher things yeah. got a little bit um well it got more revealing around, or there yeah. was more cutouts in the the top the bust area and stuff like that so it's very much more revealing yeah which would have happened in the 60s anyway and the guys suits they were all quite they looked like silk suits yes weren't they i mean they might have been at the on, at, of the time I'm yeah not they're very sure. expensive and yeah, yeah um but they're like um everything patterned was, is it, is it ev- paisley yeah pattern, very paisley but everything was everything was very color coordinated yeah color well. coordinated but all everything seemed to have a vibrancy even the ones that were in just a normal suit still had a bit of a yeah. vibrant feel to them so yeah. everything didn't fit there was no dullness on stage i don't think really i didn't feel anything that was yeah i can't think i think if anybody was in a dull suit, it would have been one of the. Um, is it one of the record? It's when the solicitor the turned up. I That's think that was it. that was really when he had a you know, but that, but that was only that was purely to yeah. be 
Just that, Mr. Evil, yeah, I suppose. Mr. Yeah, exactly. Moving on to our next segment. What the tech is this? Let's talk technical details. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is going to link in to the um, directing, I suppose. Yeah. But there's one particular scene I want to sort of point out yeah. that was extremely well done, that I loved. And it involved the costume and a song number. Now, I can't particularly remember what song number it was, but everything went black. It was they, one they night kept... only. Oh, was it? It was one they... night only because she did it as a ballad. Yeah. And, and then they yeah. kept with the light on her face. Yeah, on F.E.Y. On face. And uh, in the meantime, we couldn't see what was going on, but she I basically we'd, got we'd, changed. Yeah, so when they, she they went, took her clothes off. She stood in the stu- recording studio, as it were, in very dowdy-looking clothes that were, and then and then they yes, because this is after she'd been forced out yeah, of the band. Yeah, so the she was act, doing recording her song because they, you know, and then she stood on the stage, and then like you say, they. That's they right, they yeah. put light right on her face, but they literally... It was really well done, technically, how they did that. Yeah, it was. It was. It was... Because no one was, like, expecting it, nor did they realise... I suppose any any normal person would just think it's probably just going to fade to black. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. Yeah, just for the, the moment. It, but... it ended up being, like, a bit of a Looney Tune sort of a moment. But what she but... was wear- with wearing, have you no indication that she was wearing a full... Floor length gown. gown underneath. No, it didn't it was give just, you that. It was just like a really dreary caftan, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it, like basically? over the knee skirt. It was a like it was. A, well, it was an all in one. Yeah, it was so just. So it was, it was uh, well, it was a caftan, but it was. Um, it was just, just. It was like comfortable. It was comfortable. It's something that you just. Thing. You know. Yeah. What about what other uh, technical moments um, stood out for you? I mean, there's there's one faux pas that I did notice. Oh. In the second half, when the actual. Dream X came out to perform one night only after Effie White sang it. They and they, hold, did the, the the, they, they did the pop version. They were holding modern day wireless microphones, plastic ones that weren't of a 60s design or 60s style, which did detract from me personally, just because that's what in six they would use when they're holding microphones or, you know, it, it looked very similar. And it was like, mm. even if they'd have had ones that were just standard microphones with the cords cut off, it would have been enough. But the fact that they were just modern day microphones covered in glitter that you've seen on stage in a lot of things now where they use them quite a lot, I just felt it it just detracted from the era. That was it. That was just one little thing that, that, that I noticed. The, I, that, I didn't notice it at all, but then again, I wasn't particularly... But throughout the production, I mean, lighting and sound-wise, it was brilliant. I mean, technically... Yeah, the lighting was great. Even though the the panels that Stevens talked about with old traditional light fittings in, they were actually all upgraded to LEDs and LED things hidden within the actual design yes, of the yeah. wall. So so they had a lot of control in with modern LED technology, mm. but nothing of that felt new. It felt all old, even though that actually what they'd got behind the they'd got led panels that were hidden behind like smoked glass so or smoked perspex so so it didn't look like the leds they just looked color there was just color on those mm. those panels that changed color when they needed it to and the lights changed color as it needed it to just to, to add to the actual performance thinking about it what the set backdrop reminds me of of those, uh, do you remember like airfix or model things yeah. where you had your certain things in those plastic things yeah. that which you twisted off? Yeah, they looked a bit like those. It's also very West Side Story as well because that's very yeah. like almost stripped away and a lot of industrial stairways and stuff like that. So it's very similar in feel. So moving on to our rewind section because we're going to call it rewind. Yeah, I think we probably need to record a little rewind yeah. intro, but. 
until we decide to do that, let's just go for the moment you wish to review, rewind and see again. So I think for me it's one night only because it was a, a moment that just punched you. It just ha- it happened quite quickly and it was unexpected. So yeah, I'd like to see that again. I like that because mm-hmm. I quite like the how they did the spotlight and, and the reveal change. But I think I'm going to have to go for the end of Act 1 where it's and I'm telling you I'm not going when she has yeah. that big fallout because that how she delivered that song yeah, exactly. was so powerful and so... It had I had goose pimples on my goose pimples. It was that yeah. like intense, but dare I say evocative. It will it, it sort of made me not just pay attention, but fi- like I felt teared. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Teared up, yeah, yeah. You well, you f- it, it, I felt like it, it's a massive build up. The first time I I suppose I've had an emotional connection to a musical mm. in a very very long time. I yeah. suppose the last time was Hairspray, but that, the, you know, at yeah. the cinema. Yeah, yeah, two thousand seven or eight. Moving on to our next segment. Call this a show. Scores then, please, for Dream Girls. With ten being we're going to love them, with one being wishing it was one night only. What are you going to give it? I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10. I'm going to definitely give this a 10 out of 10 as well. I thought it was thoroughly enjoyable. Yep. Um, I didn't necessarily think it was um, um, something I'd, I'd dread. No, I don't mean it like that, but I kind of... I wasn't phased one way or another. I just knew I wanted to come see this because I loved it. And I'm so glad I did because it just lived up to its expectation and more. It really did. You know, I I would definitely recommend this to to other people. Yeah, I had high hopes and it lived up to those hopes. So what sound effect will you be choosing from the following? A complete train wreck? Tumbleweed? An audible shrug of the shoulders? Uh A slow clap, a pleasant applause, or a standing ovation. What will it be? Standing ovation can only be one thing. And it's going to be a standing ovation for me as well. I think everybody stood up for this, to be yeah. fair. Everyone stood up and they were clapping like yeah. seals. It was just amazing. Yeah, and I'd definitely see it again. Definitely. So there we are. That's our discussion of Dream Girls. We hope you found it insightful. If not, entertaining. Coming up over the next few episodes, we will be discussing... South Pacific. And a Nottingham Panto special double bill. That's it for this week, folks. If you'd like to drop us a message, please email us at upstagedownstagepod at gmail.com. Remember, you can always join in the chat to share with us your views on a production. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you get every episode the second it's released. And we hope you join us again for another instalment of Upstage Downstage. Downstage.